Tonight, there's a very interesting candidate running for president of France. The media lies about him. I'll let him speak for himself. It's December 6th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look at this man. He has an interesting face, don't you think? He's a dream come true to political cartoonists. His face is so easy to exaggerate. If you had to guess his ethnicity, what would you say? I'm telling you that he's running for the presidency of France. Uh, he's in third place in a field of seven front-rank candidates. The president right now, Emmanuel Macron, is at just 24%, but this man is at 14%. And unlike the others, this is his first time out. That's why he's being compared to Donald Trump. The reason I ask you to guess his ethnicity is that although I think he could fairly be called a French nationalist, probably a French chauvinist, a France first candidate, if I can make up a phrase, he's not ethnically French. He's not descended from the Gauls. Doesn't look like Napoleon, does he? His name is Eric Zemmour. And although he himself was born in France, his parents most definitely were not. They're Algerian Jews, Arab Jews, who moved to France because of the civil war in Algeria. Zemmour is brilliant, obviously. And maybe you could even say he's more French than France. He's called right-wing. He's the son of immigrants. He married to a daughter of immigrants, but he is worried that unlike his wife and himself, immigration to France today does not assimilate. He assimilated better than many French-born Frenchmen, and he um, despairs of what he sees. He wrote a book called The Suicide of France. It sold half a million copies. Other books include France Hasn't Said Its Last Word and The Coup d'etat of the Judges. Those are interesting titles to me. Aren't they interesting to you? And unlike Trump or most other politicians to whom he's being compared, he is clearly his own speechwriter. His whole life has been as a journalist and public intellectual. That's a French thing, isn't it? A UK thing maybe sometimes, but we don't really have public intellectuals run for office in North America. That's a pretty French thing. He's controversial, obviously. He's the son of an Arab Jew from Algeria, but he doesn't like the failure to integrate of the new generation of immigrants. And he's repeatedly being convicted and fined for inciting hatred. And he's been acquitted and had many of his convictions overturned on appeal, literally a dozen altogether. They're trying to shut him up. I don't think it's working. Uh, in fact, um, he's running for president, but literally last month, another trial against him started. His enemies call him right-wing, but they're the ones who want to censor his freedom of speech. If he were a left-winger, I think he'd be called an immigrant person of color, but he's right-wing, so they hate him and smear him. And uh, yet he's in third place. Enough of my preamble. I want to show you his remarkable speech where he declared his candidacy. Again, the American and the British media compare him to Trump because they compare everything to Trump. There is no one they miss more in the world than Trump. 
Everyone is boring compared to Trump. Everyone is to be measured plus or minus from Trump. They're more obsessed with Trump than even Trump supporters are. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this in the Globe and Mail. Uh, I laughed so hard when I saw that awful former liberal justice minister, Alan Rock, warn in the Globe and Mail that Trump is lurking. Thanks, buddy. Someone who really cared about democracy might have something to say about, oh, I don't know, China or Iran or Venezuela or, frankly, the reduction of our own civil liberties, but that that old liberal Alan Rock has his Trump fantasies to keep him warm at night. But back to Zamur. When Trump made his announcement, he came down that golden escalator at Trump Tower, and he gave a great speech, by the way, and it was fun and high energy and a sign of the razzle-dazzle impromptu campaign to come. But look at Zamur by contrast, sitting down at a desk, reading a speech, not even from a teleprompter, but looking down, reading from a piece of paper. He's sitting down at a desk, reading from notes. He doesn't have the Trumpy charisma. That's part of his message. Don't believe the charismatic fancy people anymore. Don't believe the media. Don't believe France's President Emmanuel Macron, who has the personality of Mark Zuckerberg. Believe this small intellectual man, an ink-stained wretch, a provocateur, who won't shut up, someone who talks about the real things. Let me play for you some excerpts from his announcement video. I saw it. It had nearly 2 million views in its first day. I tweeted, an Arab Jew throws his hat in the ring for the French presidency with a patriotic flourish that references Napoleon and de Gaulle. 1.5 million views on YouTube. You don't need to speak French to understand it. I predict YouTube will deplatform him tomorrow. That's what I predicted. I was slightly wrong. They didn't fully deplatform him. They merely marked his content restricted adult, as if it were pornography or something like that, so that only adults can watch it. But first, you have to log in and create a, 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 an account with YouTube and prove your age or whatever. Probably cut the audience. Uh, way down, just for the hassle of going through that process, but nearly 3 million French people have watched it anyways. Here, take a look to see what all the fuss is about. Mes chers compatriotes, depuis des années, un même sentiment vous étreint, vous oppresse, vous hante. Un sentiment étrange et pénétrant de dépossession. Vous marchez dans les rues de vos villes et vous ne le reconnaissez pas. Vous regardez vos écrans et on vous parle une langue étrange et pour tout dire étrangère. Vous jetez un œil et une oreille aux affiches publicitaires, aux séries télévisées, aux matchs de football, aux films de cinéma, aux spectacles, aux chansons et aux livres scolaires de vos enfants. Vous prenez des métros et vous prenez des trains, vous vous rendez dans des gares et dans des aéroports, vous attendez votre fille ou votre fils à la sortie de l'école, vous accompagnez votre mère aux urgences de l'hôpital, vous faites la queue à la poste ou à l'agence pour l'emploi, vous patientez dans un commissariat ou dans un tribunal et vous avez l'impression de ne plus être dans le pays que vous connaissez. Holy moly, you can see the poet in him. You can see the man who thinks and feels. And it is true, isn't it? He expands and listen to what he thinks of France, what he thinks of as France, of the France that's slipping away. Vous vous souvenez du pays que vous avez connu dans votre enfance Vous vous souvenez du pays que vos parents vous ont décrit Vous vous souvenez du pays que vous retrouvez dans les films ou dans les livres le pays de Jeanne d'Arc et de Louis XIV, le pays de Bonaparte et du général de Gaulle, le pays des chevaliers et des jantes dames, le pays de Victor Hugo et de Chateaubriand, le pays de Pascal et de Descartes, le pays des fables de La Fontaine, des personnages de Molière et des vers de Racine, le pays de Notre-Dame de Paris et des clochers dans les villages, le pays de Gavroche et de Cosette, 
le pays des barricades et de Versailles, le pays de Pasteur et de Lavoisier, le pays de Voltaire et de Rousseau, de Clémenceau et des Poilus de XIV, de De Gaulle et de Jean Moulin, le pays de Gabin et de Delon, le Brigitte Bardot et de Belmondo, de Johnny et d'Aznavour, de Brassens et de Barbara, des films de Sautet et de Verneuil, ce pays que vous cherchez partout, avec désespoir, dont vos enfants ont la nostalgie sans même l'avoir connu, ce pays que vous chérissez et qui est en train de disparaître. Vous n'avez pas déménagé, et pourtant vous avez la sensation de ne plus être chez vous. Vous n'avez pas quitté votre pays, mais c'est comme si votre pays vous avait quitté. Vous vous sentez étranger dans votre propre pays. Vous êtes des exilés de l'intérieur. I think that's true. I feel that way in Canada, mainly about the pandemic, but about other things to a degree too, not as much as things have been lost in France. I've seen the change there, it's shocking. Here it's more incremental. And listen to this, who else but him could say this? Longtemps, vous avez cru être le seul à voir, à entendre, à penser, à craindre. Vous avez eu peur de le dire, vous avez eu honte de vos impressions. Longtemps, vous n'avez pas osé dire ce que vous voyez et surtout, vous n'avez pas osé voir ce que vous voyez. Et puis, vous l'avez dit à votre femme, à votre mari, à vos enfants, à votre père, à votre mère, à vos amis, à vos collègues, à vos voisins. Et puis, vous l'avez dit à des inconnus et vous avez compris que votre sentiment de dépossession était partagé par tous. La France n'était plus la France et tout le monde s'en était aperçu. He means it on a deep historical, cultural and ethnic basis, even though he himself is not ethnically French, although he clearly believes in France with every drop of his blood. The next line is the one that gets me. Bien sûr, on vous a méprisé. Les puissants, les élites, les bien-pensants, les journalistes, les politiciens, les universitaires, les sociologues, les syndicalistes, les autorités religieuses vous disaient que tout cela était un leurre, que tout cela était faux, que tout cela était mal. Mais vous avez compris avec le temps que c'était eux qui étaient un leurre, que c'était eux qui avaient tout faux, que c'était eux qui vous faisaient du mal. C'est pourquoi nous devons préserver notre patrimoine architectural, culturel et naturel. C'est pourquoi nous devons restaurer notre école républicaine, son excellence et son culte du mérite et cesser de livrer nos enfants aux expériences égalitaristes des pédagogistes et des docteurs folamour, des théories du genre et de l'islamo-gauchisme. C'est pourquoi nous devons reconquérir notre souveraineté abandonnée aux technocrates et aux juges européens qui ont dépouillé le peuple français de sa capacité à décider de son sort au nom des chimères d'une Europe qui ne sera jamais une nation. Oui, nous devons rendre le pouvoir au peuple, le reprendre aux minorités qui ne cessent de tyranniser la majorité et aux juges qui substituent leur férule juridique au gouvernement du peuple, par le peuple, pour le peuple. You can see the echoes of his themes from his books, from his life. And he talks about his own unusual life as a Cassandra. That's a prophet who no one believes. Vous me connaissez depuis des années. Vous savez ce que je dis, ce que je diagnostique, ce que j'annonce. Je me suis longtemps contenté du rôle de journaliste, d'écrivain, de cassandre, de lanceur d'alerte. Je croyais alors qu'un politicien allait s'emparer du flambeau que je lui transmettais. Je me disais à chacun son métier, à chacun son rôle, à chacun son combat. Je suis revenu de cette illusion. Comme vous, je n'ai plus confiance. Comme vous, 
j'ai décidé de prendre notre destin en main. J'ai compris qu'aucun politicien n'aurait le courage de sauver le pays du destin tragique qui l'attendait. J'ai compris que tous ces prétendus compétents étaient surtout des impuissants. Que le président Macron, qui s'était présenté comme un homme neuf, était en vérité la synthèse de ses deux prédécesseurs en pire. Que dans tous les partis, il se contenterait de réformer alors que le temps presse. Il n'est plus temps de réformer la France, mais de la sauver. C'est pourquoi j'ai décidé de me présenter à l'élection présidentielle. Les Français restent des Français fiers de leur passé et confiants dans leur avenir. Pour que les Français se sentent de nouveau chez eux et pour que les derniers arrivés s'assimilent à leur culture, s'approprient leur histoire. Pour que nous refassions des Français en France et pas des étrangers sur une terre inconnue. Now this next part is interesting. He's a visible minority from Algeria by descent, a Jew no less, an Arab too. And listen to what he says about France. Listen to his language. Nous avons connu d'immenses victoires et nous avons surmonté de cruelles défaites. Depuis mille ans, nous sommes une des puissances qui ont écrit l'histoire du monde. Nous serons dignes de nos ancêtres. Nous ne nous laisserons pas dominer, vassaliser, conquérir, coloniser. Nous ne nous laisserons pas remplacer. What do you do when a visible minority, religious minority, son of immigrants says that? Can he write him off as racist? That's what the uh, media party, that's what the establishment says about him. And then a prediction. Mais je tiendrai bon. Les colibets et les crachats ne m'impressionneront pas. Je ne baisserai jamais la tête car nous avons une mission à accomplir. Le peuple français était intimidé, tétanisé, endoctriné, culpabilisé. Mais il relève la tête, il fait tomber les masques, il dissipe les miasmes mensongers, il chasse ses mauvais bergers. Nous allons continuer la France. Nous allons poursuivre la belle et noble aventure française. Nous allons transmettre le flambeau aux prochaines générations. Aidez-moi, rejoignez-moi, dressez-vous. Nous les Français, nous avons toujours triomphé de tout. Vive la République et surtout, vive la France Well, that's taking a stand. He's like the photo negative of Canada's Aaron O'Toole, a man who stands for nothing. Zemmour stands for many things fiercely. Right or wrong, he'll tell you what he believes. And he didn't just cook this up on the basis of a new poll. He's believed these things for decades, made the case for decades, written books about it, been punished and prosecuted for these ideas for decades. Even if you disagree with them, he's no liar. A few days ago, after that uh, video, I saw this tweet announcing a huge rally with what looked like thousands of chairs and inviting the public to attend. It was in the outskirts of Paris, and I thought, that's a bit Trumpy. Will he get Trump-sized crowds? Clearly, he's not into the social distancing mask business. I don't know his position on those things, but I, I can sort of see how he acts. But in the back of my mind, I wondered if they'll do to him what they did to Trump. Remember? When Trump had that rally in Chicago, how the gangs descended on it, indistinguishable from the Democratic Party, the violence. I wondered if it would be like that. And it was. But look at this language here. This is from Twitter. Violent scenes break out at rally for French presidential candidate Eric Zemmour. Does violence just break out like a rash or something? Sounds accidental or passive or random. Did violence break out? or like at Trump's Chicago rally, where Antifa thugs sent to break out the violence. Here, violence erupts. 
like it was a volcano or something erupted. Here's another report from a German state media company saying Zemmour was far right. Okay, but it doesn't label the people who broke out the violence, does it? They don't have an insult attached to their name. Here's the disgraceful AFP. They say anti-racism advocates were beaten up at a French presidential rally for far-right TV pundit Eric Zemmour, while in Paris, thousands marched to denounce his views. Got it. So the people who broke out the violence were anti-racism advocates, even though they had crashed an event featuring an Arab Jew, son of immigrants, a person of color. Okay, got it. Here's Reuters. Um, here's some uh, video published by Reuters. Looks like uh, the Antifa protesters were right there inside the event. They weren't protesting outside. They went inside. Imagine blaming that on the people hosting the event. If Trump supporters infiltrated a Joe Biden rally, not that he had rallies, and then got into a fight, do you think the headlines would read the same way? But look at this. <laughs> Paris, French far-right presidential candidate Eric Zemmour was left lightly injured after being assaulted at his first campaign rally on Sunday, where fighting also broke out during his speech in front of thousands of supporters. Oh, I thought it was the bad Zemmour supporters who were the violent ones, but someone actually injured Zemmour himself. Oh, but it was lightly injured, was it? That's funny. Breaking, Zemmour, the candidate, has been injured just before his first meeting. He must rest for nine days. Oh, lightly injured, to stay at home for nine days, really? You know, they tried prosecuting him and fining him. YouTube is censoring him. His opponents are infiltrating his events. I wonder how far they'll go to stop this Arab Jew who loves France. I don't know much about him, not much more than I've told you today. Perhaps he is awful, I don't know. But the people against him, they, I know, are awful. But what will they do to stop him? It wouldn't shock me if they did what they did to Yair Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil. Do you remember this from the campaign trail? Shocking. Stabbed him on the campaign trail. Nearly killed him. Lost so much blood. That injury still hobbles him. An inch over would have killed him. They'll do whatever they can to stop Bolsonaro. The same people hate Zemmour. This is a race to watch. Stay with us for more. people who have one, two, or three booster shots still have to wear masks? Uh, what's the logic behind it? I mean, one answer is that the vaccines we've discovered don't actually stop you from catching the virus or transmitting the virus or even getting sick. But there's another answer that I see in National Review. Kevin Hassett is the author. He says, if the vaccine is so effective with hospitalization probabilities near zero for people in my age group who are vaccinated, then how can it be that the scolds continue to hold so much power over me? And he, he gives this answer. He says, the answer, of course, is that the section of our ruling class, a notion that broadly defined expands far beyond our legislatures, that wants to take away our freedoms and control our lives, found in Tony Fauci the perfect device for mass oppression. And he goes on a bit, and then he switches gears and talks about climate change. As terrible as the virus has been, nobody has claimed that it will destroy the Earth as we know it. The same cannot be said for the climate. I won't read any more of this article, but the point is, 
the training, the obedience conditioning that we've all gone through, that nothing is ever enough, that whatever you do is not enough, and that the state of crisis is, per is permanent, is a lesson that the climate extremists have learned from the vaccine extremists. And here to join us now about the terrifying thought of death by a thousand climate Fauci's, <laughs> that's his words, is our friend Mark Romano, the boss of ClimateDepot.com. A thousand climate Fauci's, now that's the stuff of nightmares. It is. And unfortunately, I think Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said it best. He's the J. Edgar Hoover of public health. Uh, he really is. And he is he is now going to get his tentacles into every aspect of American life. I don't know if this was known. In August of 2020, Ezra, Anthony Fauci wrote, co-authored in an in a epidemiological journal, an article that said COVID-19 is due to, quote, extreme backlashes from nature. And he went on. This is Fauci writing in a peer-reviewed journal. COVID will require changes in human behavior and other radical changes, rebuilding the infrastructure of human existence, unquote. The exact words of Joni Fauci in a peer-reviewed medical journal. That is a thousand Fauci's because he is going to get the sinews of a bureaucracy into every aspect of our lives and make it permanent. That's been their goal. This is what Fauci said in a journal. I even missed this. At the time, I remember he did something and didn't pay much attention. I've just recently gone back and reread it. It's, it's amazing stuff. Anthony Fauci is a deep state player. This was not a man who even just taken advantage of a crisis. This is someone who's been waiting for his moment, and his moment came in March of 2020. Wow. Well, you're going to have to send me the link for that, that journal. I mean, that is a crazy, crazy thing to say. But you're right, so many of the things that are COVID solutions, even if they're not actual solutions, just happen to be climate solutions. Lockdown, yes. don't travel, shut down industry, uh, especially even on flights. Like, I mean, here we are in Canada, uh, huge vaccination rates, but only now they're clamping down on planes and trains and ships in Canada's, in the world's second largest country. You can't get on a plane now if you're not vaxxed. Is that about a, a virus? Is that about control? Is that about climate? I'll tell you one thing, it doesn't seem to be about the nature of public health. No, and this is what they've sought. The idea is your rights are conditioned upon whether you are being obedient to the regime in power. And that's literally all it is. New York City now is gonna be doubling down. I publicly New York, the mayor, of the largest or the, the most prominent U.S. segregated city. I mean, this is a racially segregated city now. The unvaccinated are among blacks and Hispanics, and the white New York City mayor is doubling down and saying only the vaccinated can go to movies and restaurants and shops and entertainment and et cetera. This is essentially resurrecting the old segregated South in America, in the, and it's now in the progressive city of New York and other major cities, Los Angeles and San Francisco. It's amazing to watch this. But here's the good news, Ezra. There are liberals that are waking up to this. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., my new hero, a man who wanted to jail climate skeptics, Naomi Wolf, Max Blumenthal. Max Blumenthal with an incredible piece about lockdowns. He talks all about how the left has just been largely silent on the greatest human rights violations of what's been going on. Max Blumenthal used to work for Media Matters. He used to work for The Nation. I'm willing to embrace 
these political figures. Jimmy Dore, the pothead comedian, self-described. He used to be on um, uh, the, the, what's that show called? The then? Young Turks. The Young Turks, yeah. And then you have a, a whole series of other people from uh, uh, the Hollywood actors and others. I'm willing to say it's a new coalition. This is no longer left and right. Those are old paradigm. This is for tyranny, against tyranny. And we are finding many common allies. And it just gets wackier and wackier. I don't know if you're uh, uh, aware that the British Columbia doctor, who the first doctor to clinically diagnose a patient suffering from climate change, yeah. this is that whole first step, a lady who had a heat exhaustion, the whole first step to lead it to the death certificate to get us to that COVID-like uh, you know, hysteria, which Bill Gates has said COVID will kill far more sorry, climate change will kill far more people than any virus. They're setting the stage, they're not letting go, but thankfully we have liberals on our side, you know, a lot of big name liberals that we can now, co we need to organize a coalition with them. You know, I saw that British Columbia doctor. What's so crazy is that the College of Physicians and Surgeons is suspending or prosecuting any doctor who strays from the Pfizer narrative, who talks about alternative, uh, I, I, when I mean alternative medicine, I don't mean like homeopathic yes. medicine. I mean like alternative prescription meds, like ivermectin. Repurposed medicine from other things, yeah. Yeah, so they'll be suspended or prosecuted, but some quack talks about a political diagnosis, like you're sick from climate change. And and he's the celebrity, super gross. Yeah, by the way, he's not, he's not just some intern doctor. This is the head of the emergency room department at the hospital out in British Columbia. These are, this is not just some obscure country doctor trying to get attention or something. This is how wacky it's become. But it, it's, it's I, I don't know what's happening. I just cannot believe that the American political left the large majority of it appear to be okay with this kind of civil liberties violation and respecting authority. Uh, it's, it's, there's no end in sight as we go. You have major medical, uh, major energy reports, International Energy Agency coming out with reports essentially calling for permanent lockdowns for climate. They wanna restrict freedom of movement, make airline travel very expensive, so only the wealthy essentially will be able to do it. They wanna stop building new airports. They wanna, um, uh, start locking down every aspect of Brit business insider magazine said electric cars aren't enough we have to get rid of private car ownership and regular cars they're actually just not even trying to disguise their agenda at this point yeah you know it's it's incredible i think you're right to point out that the segregation that's come it's not just segregation based on the choice of people who are vaccine hesitant or or for health reasons don't want to, or, or for whatever reason, it does break on racial lines. And there's historical reasons for that and cultural reasons for that. But in the, the great city of New York, um, I, I think it's up to 40% of black people are not vaxxed. They they'll be the servant class of these progressive leftist white liberals. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just incredible how What's happening, and the silence of most liberals, you, you name Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Naomi Wolf, the communist Max Blumenthal, he's not even a, a liberal, he's a, he's a communist, Jimmy Dore. It is amazing to see these people stand up, but for every one of them, there's a thousand yeah. 
liberals and Democratic Party members who were silent. Where's the my body, my choice people? Where's the I'm skeptical of big pharma people? Where's the I want to stand up for the working man in a union against the corporation, changing the terms of his collective agreement on him, um, you know, foisting new terms on him? You've listed some wonderful people that I agree with you, but there's a million people you haven't listed because they've just shucked off all their beliefs that they claim to have held so dearly. They have, and they're willing to accept this dystopian vision. The Surgeon General under Joe Biden came out today and said, how to celebrate Christmas. This is an example. Get vaccinated, get boosted, get t get tested before you gather, gather in well-ventilated spaces, use masks, and then you can have a quite, uh, uh, he says, utterly, it says a quite fulfilling Christmas with your family. This is the official guidance from the United States government of how to celebrate Christmas. I just can't imagine any holiday occasion. I just can't imagine how liberals from the 1960s would be okay with these were the liberals who came out with the with the Pentagon papers and they were going after the war machine and the lies of the big establishment and now they accept everything from the big public health establishment. Hmm. I, it, it, this is in it's it's an amazing thing to watch. I don't see a way out of this. I call it Marxism's new face. This idea of the the COVID lockdown, the 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 climate lockdown. I think the reason the liberals the the, the answer to your question is there they have a piece of the power. When you think of all the anchors at CNN and you figure this is, you know, this, these are the billionaires play things. Bill Gates gives out all this money. So they're essentially on this. I hate to say they believe this because they have money, but they're not offended by it because they're doing so well. And this is why corporate America is willing to go along because corporate America is the ones that are benefiting from all of this. Uh, you know, it's corporate America and the national chains and the big tech and Amazon and Walmart. They're the ones getting boosted. It's the small businesses being crushed. And make no mistake, build back bankrupt, build back better. That's what it's all about. They want to collapse the old order and rebuild it into this you'll own nothing and be happy, great reset vision. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, as we started, the same thinking behind uh, climate authoritarianism which never really took off, is the exact same thinking behind COVID authoritarianism. So I think journalists can detect, oh, these are cousins. This is related. The impact on someone's life is the same. Um, you know, it, it may be a different argument, different facts, but the process of authoritarian government decision-making is the same. A thousand little Fauci's, I just... I wish I didn't read that phrase because it's haunting me. Mark, it's great <laughs> to see you. The website is called climatedepot.com. You can see a link to this article in the National Review that makes the similarities. Great to see you. Keep up the fight. I got one last question. Let me jam it in before you have to go. I was talking to a Canadian friend and saying, when's this going to end? And he said, it's going to end when America ends it because Canada so often follows the U.S. lead. He said that the pendulum's going to swing back in the 2022 midterms. He pointed to the results in Virginia and New Jersey recently that, you know, just one year after Biden won, the shift is 10 or 15 points away from the Democrats, partly on, on COVID, partly on other things. And my friend said, 2022, you're going to have a blowout in the Congress. And 2024, you're going to see a Republican back in the White House. That sure feels like an awfully long time to wait. Yeah. I think he's right. We're going to have to wait for America to come to its senses first. Are you as optimistic as my friend is that America is, is sick of not just the inflation and the, you know, the 
surrender of Afghanistan and, and the humiliations around the world, but they're sick of the Democrat lockdownism. Do you think that 2022 and 2024 will bring freedom? I do think there'll be a big pushback. The problem is the Republican Party is so pathetic and the leadership on this issue. There's a lot of great senators and congressmen, but the Capitol Hill leadership, so they're not drawing that attention. But here's the big, the larger problem. With what they've done with the bureaucracy, both with environment, social governance, the banking system, every agency, executive orders, the, de- the administrative state, their goal, and it's, an, it's a lofty goal and they probably can achieve it, is to make elections irrelevant. This is what worries me, Ezra. It doesn't matter who you elect for president, prime minister, senator, congress, mayor, if the, electro- if the bureaucracy behind the scenes wields the real power. And the low point of the Trump administration was his top financial advisor, Larry Kudlow, being asked in April of 2020, when is the economy going to open? And he said, I don't know. That's up to the doctors. When officials concede that to a the bureaucratic state under public health or climate emergency, that's when elections cease to matter. And that's what scares me right now is how much strength have they gathered and how easy is even a politician going to be able to undo this when the real power behind this is coming from the bureaucracy, the unelected bureaucracy. Well, you're sure right on that. Mark, great to see you. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Ezra. Appreciate it. There you have it. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your viewer feedback. Nigel Waterhouse writes a letter. He says, in relation to Roxham Road, serious question. Does anyone ever cross the other way, asking for a friend whose church got shut down by the government and who was locked out of civil society because he is unvaxxed? It is nuts. Uh, It is not lost on me. The people can traipse across their their very first act, breaking the law, their second act, breaking the quarantine COVID rules, and they're treated like honored guests, whereas citizens, well, you know, the prosecutions are absurd. They're having jailings. Someone, I think this is a nickname, Pest138, that would be an unusual name for your mama to give you. The fact that these police officers are going along with this is unbelievable. I know a lot of cops here in the U.S., and they and their unions have stated flat out that they will not cite or arrest anyone for mask, distancing, or lockdown shutdown violations for the simple reason they are all unconstitutional. Well, I do note that some cops say that. In fact, some sheriffs, some police union bosses, even the odd police chief. But there are those who do implement it, not as many as in Canada or Australia or New Zealand or the UK. I think that's that American spirit of freedom. And it cannot be ignored, the fact that they have not just the First Amendment, which respects religion and speech, including religious gatherings, but also the Second Amendment. If everything goes straight to hell, and I mean all the way, what's stopping the police from going full police state? In Australia and the UK, the answer's a lot different than in the US. Canada's more like the UK and Australia. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with this video of the day, David Menzies talking to unvaxxed and suspended Toronto police officers holding a sit-in protest. Take a look at this. We've been told that the vaccine is akin to part of your uniform, that 
you, really? if you don't have the vaccine, you actually aren't wearing your entire uniform. Therefore, you're unfit for duty. And prior to that, I was 11 years with the Canadian military. I've been all over this world in a combat unit. Um, protecting the rights and freedoms of, of, of this country and, and the rights and freedoms of other people, you know. And I got to tell you, I, I am a little uh, upset that, you know, the rest of, of this nation has not stood up. We're taking good men and women that have uh, served us and put their lives on the line on a regular basis and they're being treated like this. Can I see your security license? David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. Well, folks, I'm outside the Toronto Police Association office. That's effectively the union for members of the Toronto Police Service. As you may know, more than 200 members of the Toronto Police Service, that would be officers and administrative staff, well, they're suspended without pay for refusing to reveal their medical status regarding the COVID vaccine, or for those who have just said, we are not gonna get jabbed no matter what. You know, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Do you know if a police officer is accused of first degree murder, he or she is suspended with pay, you don't reveal your medical history, you are suspended without pay, effectively fired. And they're going to, uh, they're congregating right now, as you can see, and they're gonna have a sit-in at 9 a.m., which is about half an hour from now. And the funny thing is, when we got here, security guards were already trying to give these police officers the bums rush. Now, I don't know if this was the security guards acting independently or if the Toronto Police Association sicked those security guards on their own members. We know that Toronto Police Association President John Reed said in a statement that the TPA is, quote, disappointed that the Toronto Police Service has placed members on unpaid leave for not revealing their vaccination status or not getting vaccinated. And a notable member of the force who is suspended is Sergeant Dave Haynes, a 20-year veteran, and Premier Doug Ford's son-in-law. He is one of the suspended masses. And get a load of this, according to Sergeant Haynes, he said, quote, there is no provision in the collective agreement for the employer to force employees on unpaid leave, end quote. So uh, as the day goes on, uh, we're going to see how this unfolds. I can't ever remember members of the Toronto Police Service having a sit-in at their very own union office. And uh, already it doesn't look good given that security guards are telling them not to assemble here. But like I said, We'll be here to see how the day proceeds because yet again, the mainstream media, they're sitting this one out. We felt as though the union hasn't been representing us the way uh, our voices need to be heard. Um, there's a lot of particulars about the way this is all have gone down uh, as far as uh, they've taken away our uh, sick bank time, they've taken away our loo time, they've taken away all our benefits. And uh, it's it's just even those small things that we feel could be negotiated and allow us to sort of have a way to live. We've been left with essentially nothing. 
my personal opinion is I, I didn't think that it would come to this. I thought that there would be a little bit of uh, leeway accountability because I know that there are individuals here who have received one shot of the vaccine. Um, and uh, I won't say that we were given assurances, but we were told that they were going to be sitting down at the table, they're going to be talking, and that uh, as a sign of good faith, that there may have been an extension or there may have been some testing uh, uh, possibilities coming, coming, coming through. Well, it just goes to show you the level of um, that we're at in today's society when we, we're taking good men and women that have uh, served us and put their lives on the line on a regular basis and they're being treated like this. I can't believe that, uh, you know, city officials that are, are treating them like this. I mean, they were heroes two years ago. They were heroes a year ago. And today they're just put out here, you know, in the cold and, you know, they got families. There's a lot of people who here who are not anti-vax. Apparently there are injured officers who are struggling to get paid accordingly through WSIB and uh, they're just not taking any liability whatsoever. How does this mandate make Toronto as safe or any safer than before the mandate? I don't think it does, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I don't think it's a matter of, of you know, making the citizens of the, of the city safe. They keep on falling back on the Occupational Health and Safety Act, saying that they have a duty and a responsibility for the safety uh, of, of all the employees, which I agree. That, that, that's, that's, you know, but I mean, we've been working in this capacity, doing what we're doing for two years. We've been told that the vaccine is akin to part of your uniform, that if you don't have the vaccine, you actually aren't wearing your entire uniform. Therefore, you're unfit for duty. Nobody wants to take accountability. They're saying, take take the vaccine, take the vaccine. Okay, fine. I'll take the vaccine. And if it's wrong or I get hurt or I get injured, then you're liable. No, we're not. What has happened to the freedom that we all came to this country for? My grandfather left Germany in World War II just when it started. He, he, he saw what was coming. He could smell it. And he left. And he saved people. And then he came to this country for a better life for us. Is this a better country? Is this a better world? We really wish the association at the very least would show a little empathy and sympathy towards us, our lives, our families. And that's not happening. Uh, and that that costs nothing. I've seen a lot of stuff. And prior to that, I was 11 years with the Canadian military. I've been all over this world in a combat unit. Um, protecting the rights and freedoms of, of, of this country and, and the rights and freedoms of other people, you know? And I got to tell you, I, I am a little uh, upset that, you know, the rest of, of this nation has not stood up, at least said something. It has been, an, uh, it, 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 like I said, it's, it's not, it has nothing to do with vaccines anymore. Uh, thankfully, I've, uh, I got 32 years in with Toronto Police and I'm in a good spot. And thankfully, I have a very supportive partner and family. And I'm looking at the possibilities rather than the problem right now. And I'm looking for my next best chapter and whatever that is i'm open you know okay. so um i'm i'm trying to be positive like i said there's 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 been no logic to this david i don't know i don't know you have to move outside oh yeah outside because this is a private property yeah i, I paid for my car to be on a space here matter. yeah what do you mean it doesn't matter i've, I've paid for a space you paid for a space that's the parking yeah. not not the premises so why can't I congregate just a parking lot? This is a parking lot. Okay. You know, these are a lot of these people are police officers here. Okay. You have to do it outside. But this is a private property. So even though these are police officers, you're trying to frog march them off the property? And these are police officers that are suspended without pay, perhaps losing their jobs, and you don't care about that? You have to do it outside, please. Can I see your security license? Yes, sir. 
Well, folks, we always believe in getting the other side of the story, and we tried to go up to the floor where the Toronto Police Association is situated. We wanted to get President John Reid on camera or anyone else with the TPA. But if you can imagine, they have actually um, disabled the elevator to go to that floor. So I guess whether it's the media or their own members, they are in no mood to talk about this grotesque act of dismissing members on a suspension without pay. I think that's shameful. Check out this sad and somewhat disturbing display. Many of the officers who came to protest here, well, they've left behind their police boots as a sign of protest for what's happened to them. And what a dire state of events, isn't it, folks? You have men and women in law enforcement who are essentially no longer employed. They've been suspended without pay. And as citizens of Toronto, do you feel any safer now that so many members of law enforcement are no longer on the Toronto police force? What a sad, sad day in Toronto's history. For Rebel News, I'm David Demenzoid Menzies. Hey folks, it's already December. Before you know it, it's gonna be Christmas. You don't know what to get your loved ones? How about going to the Rebel News store? How about wearing your politics on your sleeve? Literally, we got great shirts, sweatshirts, hats, you name it. Go to Rebel News store, make your purchase, and make somebody very, very happy on Christmas Day.